Ed, how much of uh, United versus Liverpool did you catch? All of it. What did you What did you make of Casey Stoney's new... A great result in the end for United's women, their first game. Well, first game having been reformed, first competitive game having been reformed. Uh, it was... Um, I, 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 I'm being nice when I say it was a low-quality game. Uh, it, it wasn't great stuff, but United actually created some good chances, uh, I think, on the balance of play, although Liverpool definitely looked the more polished side, which should be, being a, in a division higher. Um, United deserved to win, and, uh, you know, joyous celebrations as as a team, uh, Casey's don't need team scored and uh, on full time. And, you know, it meant a lot, I think. Yes. You could see, actually, when... Uh, uh, United scored the goal that it meant a lot to everyone in the team. It was a great start. It's history, isn't it? You know, um, it's a history-making thing. And and as well as it being Liverpool versus United, there's a load of extra needle because basically Casey Stoney, like, stole half Liverpool's team um, in the summer and brought them to Manchester. So there's, like, a, a, a lot of... A lot of um, a lot of beef and needle in there. Uh, but... We should, I guess, talk about the thing that we've been talking about for the last nine years. Nine years we've been doing this show, Ed. Uh, well, yeah, we uh, we probably should. Shall we talk about uh, United Under three, 23's fixture? Yeah. What happened? I didn't see any of that. Uh, I don't g- know what coming happened. Up in, uh, oh, okay. Coming up in a couple of weeks' time against Southampton Under 23's. Big one. No. Um, beat Aston Villa 3-1 in the week. Great. Which was a good result after a draw on the opening day of the season. Um, and then if uh, you want to talk about the under-18s, uh, they beat Liverpool as well. Uh, way at Liverpool, 1-3-1. Seems like it's all going well at United. And even the men's team got in the action on the opening day of the Premier League season, the opening night of the Premier League season. Manchester United with a 2-1 victory. Paul Pogba, very surprisingly, in the starting eleven. Scored that penalty. That captain was, as well. Surprisingly yeah. in the starting eleven. Captain scored a penalty after two minutes and then Mourinho went on to praise him effusively after the game as well. Like, do you think that had anything to do with the newspaper stories that were going around? I mean, he was uh, he was really good in the first sort of 20 minutes, faded really badly and then really came on strong in the second half. And Luke Shaw, the reason that kind of even those games a while ago, we should like mention it, Luke Shaw scored his first ever senior level goal. Not just for United, but never scored at senior level ever at all. Got an assist today as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm off, to, <laughs> off to a flyer. Um, yeah, Alexis Sanchez was absolutely hot garbage in that game. Um, Fred looked pretty rattled a few times. It really. A tempestuous challenge, and he, he made one again today. Or... <laughs> you know, he's so, he's lucky he didn't connect with the one today yeah. because he was thigh high. He had got two red cards for that. <laughs> yeah, um, and Jose Pereira did very well in holding midfield. Um, Mourinho, full of praise for him as well um, after the game. Uh, and I thought it was a really impressive performance from Eric Bailly, <laughs> the centre of defence. <laughs> Yes, this Something. is against Leicester. We're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. to be absolutely um, because clear. it definitely wasn't uh, in the United's game against Brighton. Well, I mean, let's focus on Leicester to start with. It, it was a mixed bag from United for sure. So a win, and everyone feels really good about the win. Um, but the best stuff from United came in the first two minutes or so, um, <laughs> and after that, it was it was a little bit of a you know, it kind of felt like running through a bit of treacle. It was hard work. Uh, and Leicester gave um, almost as good as they got. You know, they they created a few decent chances. Um, uh, you know, not loads, but had a few shots. A um, couple of good, very good saves from David De Gea. Um, and uh, late sort of, I suppose it's a consolation goal. Um, yeah. Uh, after Actually, Luke Shaw's, uh, I guess that's the winner, isn't it? From five, six minutes from time. Featuring an Eric Bailly mistake, we should probably yeah. probably say. So yeah, so what's that, three and two games? Uh, oh should we God. say he started the season, at, you know, a little bit rusty? I mean, that's unspeakably generous. Um, but we'll... So, yeah, I mean, the, the first day of the season and lots of people being like, ah, oh, suck it, haters. Jose Mourinho's great. All right, then. Um, and then I guess we should talk about all the, the press stuff because that's going to be a big theme um, in 
this part of the season. So after the game, Mourinho in his post-match interview with Sky said, you know, we should be called head coaches nowadays. We recorded the show last time before the transfer window had closed. Ed, you mentioned a few times that it seemed very likely we were going to get Toby Alderweireld. Um, of course, no such signing materialised. We signed absolutely no one. And immediately afterwards, um, Woodward started intensely briefing the papers. <laughs> I, know. I know. We don't even have to like um, pretend it's anyone else, do we? I mean, no. It, I it, mean, no, Woody calls press conference via phone or sometimes <laughs> down the pub, uh, yeah. and lets everyone know what um, what he thinks about things. And yeah, clearly, what he thought about things was that um, the board or Woodward. And Jose are miles apart on their transfer philosophy. Woodward has some kind of more long-term plan in mind, or that's generous interpretation, I'd say. This is his spin. Um, and Jose just wanted expensive signings that weren't considered to be any better than the players that were at the club already. I mean, certainly if, if United had gone for Yerry Mina, um, as, as I think one United official apparently put it, uh, they'd have been swapping their fifth best central defender for another fifth best central defender. Um, uh, Alderweireld, that wouldn't have been the case, but uh, someone with a patchy injury record at 29, be 30 this season for 60-odd million, um, wasn't considered good value. Uh, I mean, all all the stuff that you would expect came out, so... um, uh, the source at United that was clearly Edward Wood pointing out that Mourinho's had a vast amount to spend on specifically centre-backs um, and there's now coming cap in hand for another massive um, spend on a, on a centre-back, um, like you said, completely at, at odds. And, and as it said in the Daniel Taylor piece, you know, Sanchez was an example of how far United are prepared to go in terms of spending money if if it's a Clark category A player, as they said, and and that is definitely Woodward sort of um, countering the argument of Glazer parsimony because I, I think it's abundantly clear that United's failure to invest in the late period of this transfer window was about the targets the manager wanted, not about the fact that they were in and of themselves sixty million pound players. It's not like they're yeah. going, oh no, we can't buy anyone for that. Well, they, yeah, they definitely like, would. I might have challenged that narrative. Um, because it's all very well, like, talking the talk, isn't it? And Woodward's done that uh, plenty of times in the past, boasting about how much money United have got and how big they'll do and how much they're going to shake up the transfer market and all this kind of nonsense, you know. And, and to be fair to him, he hasn't really done that in the last couple of years. Perhaps he's learnt a little bit. Um, but uh, very shortly afterwards came the briefing that United were about to appoint the club's first director of football, you know, 130-odd years of uh, of a football club and this will be the first one and and one I think that's a very sensible move and and ought to bring United into the you know the 21st century and, and very sensible if only because it hopefully removes Woodward from being the director of football which he basically is at the moment so um but you know the timing of that you know, they were thinking about doing it. They could have made the move in the summer, of course, which might have been more sensible. But the timing of it coming just a few days after the transfer window closed uh, and with Mourinho being very snarky, you know, that was very, very pointed, wasn't it? You know, that was a mm. get-in-your-box uh, Mourinho moment. And I think there's probably been another get-in-your-box Mourinho moment during the week because um, after being pretty rude about Pogba and, and Pogba's people briefing that he's probably off, would like to be off, and he's unhappy. Um, Mourinho's been, you know, um, uh, making doing as much as he possibly can to, to uh, say, oh, no, everything's fine, and, uh, you know, we don't have any problems, we're best of friends, I couldn't be more happy with him, lying through his teeth when he said that uh, there's no way he had called Pogba in to haul him over the coals over that comment about... Uh, a uh, player can't play his best if he's unhappy with his manager sort of thing. So um, I think, uh, yeah, and I wonder whether there's, there's some of that has played into uh, Mourinho's uh, interview after the game today, in which, again, he was like, I can't talk about anything to do with individual players because I get criticised for it. It feels like a word has been had. Yeah, um, the the Pogba thing was weird because he came out and said, I can't say what I want to say or I'll get fined. And Mourinho fired off quite a good line. In There's been a couple of good Mourinho lines this week. Um, 
that one where he said, the thing is, it's quite hard to get fined here. Two years, I've only fined Anthony Martial, which was just like a kind of like a brilliant dig at Martial, but also a sort of, I don't know, I quite I quite enjoyed that one. Um, the other good Mourinho line, of course, was in response to Manchester City's documentary, which he was said, I've been in this so much, they should give me a royalty, but I'll let them off giving me a royalty if they send me one of those, we did it on Derby Day t-shirts I saw in the tunnel <laughs> yeah, when we beat yeah. them. Bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good pretty um, good to be yeah fair. you you've been you and tom have been watching this i haven't seen it yet um I, i'm not sure i'm even going to because I, I kind of already know what it's going to be like um but uh yeah since since we're on the topic let's segue a little bit T- tell us a little bit about this uh city documentary on amazon uh, can we even call it a documentary or is it a puff piece oh no 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 i, I mean it's it's it you it is a documentary um in the same way that the other all or nothings have been a documentary they are they are um so there were there were two series with there's been a few different series this this um year which I've not watched but the first two series were uh, following the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings uh, no the LA Rams I don't know why I said Minnesota Vikings um so those those first two series spent that they embedded a film crew with these squads um and they were brilliant. They were incredibly engaging. Very John Hamm did the uh, voiceover, but they weren't particularly critical. Um, and it, I think that's understandable in a way, because if you want to show the kind of a level of behind the scenes that you don't normally see as a fan, it is understandable that they would, you know... Uh, want to do that with a positive slant rather than expose themselves to an embedded film crew for a year for a warts and all documentary. So it's friendly rather than a puff piece, I would say. Um, uh, I haven't finished it yet. Pep's a maniac. That's my main takeaway from it. It's like, that's the thing that, that isn't maybe quite what you expect. And there's a lot of stuff in the dressing room. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of the time, he seems to basically just be shouting about passion, which like isn't the sort of more what you'd expect from like following Allardyce around for a year or whatever. But apparently Guardiola's a bit of a passion merchant, um, turns out, which uh, is sort of vaguely entertaining. But no, I mean, you know, obviously he's very it shows him it shows him kind of pointing out flaws in other teams' defences and various things like that. But I can see why Mourinho would be annoyed because he was definitely cast as the villain of the piece in one of the episodes. Um, and, and, you know, United are parking the bus versus City's gorgeous, fluent attack. I mean, it's fair to say there's at least an element of truth in that. But anyway, worth a watch, I'd say. I uh, I watched, uh, what, half an hour of the Manchester City game against Huddersfield they were two up by the time I turned it off and got say one by miles uh their second goal a beautiful piece of improvisation by Aguero to turn three defender I mean just one of the worst pub side moments of defending from Huddersfield <laughs> three of them chasing the ball and he uh he flicks it behind his legs and turns all of them but uh after the goal and I can't actually tell you which commentator it was um because I don't know because yeah I can I familiar with the voice but couldn't work it out um uh, said ah oh, and down below me pep is pumping his fists uh, as if to say see i told you this passing out from the back works um this was after a 75 yard hoof up field from the goalkeeper well i guess we could be generous and say he aimed it sort of in aguero's direction um but was, it a banter? <laughs> it was he doing a made banter? me laugh was, a little bit was it was he like was it deliberate? Was he making fun of the fact that it was a long ball from the keeper? I I, I don't think so. Okay. If if so, it was really deeply dry, in <laughs> in a way that my English ears are very tuned attuned to. So yeah, you know, um, we'll we'll see. But anyway, it was kind of a funny funny moment. Um, does anyone? Yeah. Does well, get... I, I, at some, look, at some point, I may uh, dig into this uh, uh, cutting edge documentary. I mean, I have to say, my cynical brain says this is just. Um, a piece of puff uh, to uh, make us forget about the awful human rights record of uh, of the owning family. But, you know, hey, that's just me being cynical, isn't it? 
No, uh, no, of course it's not. The, the The whole existence of Manchester City's current project is that, and that's not. I'm not speaking as a United fan there. That's that's just the truth. I just I think there is a subtle difference between a friendly documentary and a puff piece. I don't I don't think those are you know something that isn't antagonistic, but it's not like. Uh, I mean, it borders on puff piece on occasion, <laughs> it has to be said. But I, I, there is some genuine insight in it. And you do see some of the people at their worst occasionally, which I don't think you do in something that's just a total puff piece. All right. Um, um, so. Uh, can you can you tell, by the way, listeners, that we are talking about anything that we can possibly think of to talk about so we don't have to discuss the absolute mega shambles that i mean one of manchester united's worst performances in the contemporary history of the club <laughs> oh, oh there is some good <laughs> there is there's some good competition for that particular yeah, title is. isn't there um yeah. uh, I, I i can't go there with it because actually in the second half uh, it probably wasn't that i mean it it wasn't a great performance by United by any means, but um, uh, first half, yeah, absolute, absolute horror show, uh, especially defensively. So let, let's dig into Brighton 3, United 2. Um, what, a, what an it, incredible it, polish on the scoreline that penalty gives it. Well, like. I mean, and the first goal, an absolute freak. Uh, yeah. so, so let's, um, yeah, let, I, let, let's put it this way, Paul. You're, you're all sunshine and roses normally. So uh, tell me... Um, what out of that game we can take some heart from? Anything? It, it ended. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, this is feeble, and it's the minimum. I mean, it's been well below the minimum standard, but the the players tried till the end. I don't. There's no. There's no meaningful positives from this game. You know, I, I said it was the the worst performance one of the worst performances in United history. And by history, I mean since Alex Ferguson took over. And really, I just mean since we started winning the league because there were some pretty bad stinkers in the early Fergie days. Um, But Norwich at home in the second season, at Christmas time under Van Gaal, Midtjylland away, uh, where the away European away travelling United fans the absolute toppest of the top reds were singing about how terrible we were. Um, uh, Wolfsburg away, friend of the show, Cal Gildart, pointing that one out to me. That was pretty bad. That was powerful matter that day. Um, but this was up there. I mean, <sighs> Bay and Lindelof, who'd looked pretty okay against Leicester, were a complete disgrace. But it doesn't end there. Paul Pogba, who I... I love so much and I think he's a wonderful player and, and is kind of a reason to watch United on his own sometimes, was completely appalling in all the ways that everyone said. I just, what did you, like, what are the worst bits for you, Ed? Um, I could go on for ages and ages. Yeah, well, the absolute worst bit is uh, Lindelof and especially Bailly. Um, uh, hor- horrendous for the first goal. Um, so uh, Baye plays his man on side and then Lindelof gets the wrong side. Two awful mistakes there. Um, obviously Baye um, with the um, totally, totally unnecessary tackle to give away the penalty. And and the second goal, the corner that was conceded Corn, by... Corner, Pogba with the weirdest half-assed attempt at clearance. No, uh, clearance, Fred, which Fred came, it was yeah. Fred. It was Fred that clipped it with the back of his heel... And just into a Leicester player. Oh, maybe there was a Pogba clearance before that. No, there's a Pogba that. clearance before that. Yeah, oh, he's right. sort Jeez. of stretched, but just knocked it across his own goal. Um, yeah, and then Fred. Uh, like, what, six players tight in there? None of them can make a clearance. Horrendous, just horrendous. And, I mean, horrendous mistakes um, for each of the goals. So, so the and, first and look, goal... For sure, Mourinho can't be blamed for that, right? For individual <laughs> mistakes. But he can definitely be blamed for the hot, Hot, hot pile of steaming that was United's defensive organisation. That's that's his job. You know, I'm getting all high pitched now, <laughs> but that's, that's how bad it is. Uh, he's making me go all squeaky. Two years he's been manager, and that that was defending like a pub side for the first forty five minutes. Yeah, and um, he sort of said their heads went, which they did. But I wonder if the 
relentless negativity of their manager might have affected their ability to sustain confidence when things aren't going their way. Well, it felt like it. It felt like it. And and look, by by no means am I absolving United's players of any responsibility. They were all awful. I, I can't think of a single player that that sort of redeemed themselves. I mean, I suppose when um, Lingard and Rashford came on in the second half, neither of them were disgraced by their nah, they, were, were they, they were both rubbish, to be <laughs> fair. They were genuinely well, Lingard both kept rubbish. running, didn't he? He kept running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, gave, and he gave Brighton um, a problem because he was at least breaking between the lines. You know, I he, really, he, he really was. He gave the, the centre-backs centre, centre backs of Brighton, well, they had three at the back, didn't they? But um, he gave uh, them a... Oh, maybe they didn't. No, they had two at the back. Um he gave them something to think about, and they weren't sure whether they come or go. And it was super easy for them to for them to defend in the first half. Uh, Fellaini is the one player that didn't disgrace himself, I would say. And you know you're in trouble when you're saying that. In fact, like because I'm gearing up to have a massive pop at Mourinho again, and people get fed up when you do that. I'm going to first of all have a massive pop at each of the players individually. So De Gea, I guess he didn't do much wrong, um, but he didn't really do anything right either. Um, Ashley Young was fine, but wasteful and in that, that the hot mess of the first goal got kind of half sucked towards the ball. But then to be fair to him, he would have expected his centre-back and the centre midfield to cover the space. But instead, they both kind of half-heartedly looked to cover the space. And also Young was wasteful with the ball up front, but he's always going to do that. And that's, I mean, he didn't do too much wrong. Eric Bailly was, I mean... Every single goal had a massive... He had a massive negative hand in every single goal. The decision for the penalty is is criminal. It's criminal defending to do that. There's, especially when United... You know, if you go in at half-time at 2-1, I'm really thinking at this point, yeah, OK, been a bad start, but we can turn this round. Um, but that was just ridiculous. Lindelof just doesn't look like he's going to make it at United. Who knows? We might be wrong. Um, Luke Shaw was fine. Uh, fine Fred looked every inch the kind of player that um is struggling to adapt to a new league in a team that isn't doing very well Pereira was um taken off at half time because they they needed to change the system same as Matter, but neither of them pressed in the first half Pogba was a total mess playing for himself the whole time uh Cruyff turns in his own half surrounded by players it's great when it works and I, I like I wouldn't want him to stop ever trying it but time and a place and every single time trying to play the killer ball every time and yeah you've got to be courageous and you've got to be creative but sometimes for the love of all that is good and holy you have to give the ball to one of your teammates um martial did nothing to uh offset the people that Mourinho's turned against him uh, and Lukaku, even though he scored, missed crucial chances. You mentioned Rashford and Lingard. Lingard's first touch was really wayward, and yet his movement was really good, as it always is, but he wasn't able to do anything with that. Rashford looked um, like he made poor choices. And, you know, it's uh, really, at this point, we're just picking holes for the sake of it. But soup to nuts, top to tail, garbage from the actual footballers that play for United. Yeah. Uh, for the first 20 minutes or so, Anthony Martial didn't look too bad. He was trying to run, wasn't yeah. he? Trying to, he had yeah, one good true. shot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe I'm being generous with 20 minutes. No, no, you're right. Lukaku got a goal, didn't do much else. Except for miss a really presentable chance early on. Yeah. I mean, strikers have to be allowed to miss chances. So, um, uh, are we writing off the season then, two games in? <laughs> No, we wrote it off in the season preview. If that's, you true, no, that's true. That's very true, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's look. It's going to have a. It is. Gonna, I don't want to overplay this. This is not Arsenal fan TV, um, but it will have a negative effect because there was so much negativity around uh, the summer, and that that wasn't just because of the transfer window. That came from Mourinho. The negativity, mm. um, and 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 him basically saying none of the players were good enough, and uh, it was going to be a disaster of a season without. Um, another transfer so you know maybe he's going to get what he wanted uh, who knows but I I can't help but think that doesn't you know that, that will feed into United players what looked like very fragile confidence didn't it you know just how much their heads really did go I mean these are all international players um, some some of them very very big international players um, and uh, it's uh, it was it was complete shambles at times, and I can't help but think that 
there's a very, very deep-seated underlying and very big problem. But then again, look, this isn't Arsenal fan TV and after Arsenal lost to Chelsea, uh, there were some questions on Arsenal fan TV about how long they should give Emery. So, Paul, I mean, how long should we give Mourinho? Th- they are reasonable questions about how long Arsenal should give Emery, by the way, because it's far from a foregone conclusion that you just give Emery enough time and everything will turn out right. Um, the, the Mourinho question is, you know... The, the, that the was a joke. F- we, we, we don't want yeah. to talk Mourinho out after two games, do we? Yeah, of course we do. Like I, I wanted to talk Mourinho out after zero games. I wanted to talk Mourinho out after, you know, he said, how could Alexis Sanchez be happy playing with these kind of players? About well, quite, our yeah. precious babies. Like, what are you doing, you stupid megalomaniac narcissist fool? You know, the the, the worst thing about Mourinho running the club isn't the style of play. I would be fine with the style of play if it was being effective. It's... Watching because that team, the the eleven that started that game, is perfectly capable of beating Brighton and beating Brighton very comfortably, playing nice football, believing in themselves. There's a couple of of upgrades that you'd want to be sort of really talking about competing at the at the highest level, but it's utterly ridiculous to kind of go oh well there's absolutely nothing Mourinho can do with this shower but he's going to try and convince you every step of the way that there's nothing he could possibly do with this shower and I have some sympathy for Mourinho's position of um I've told the board the players I want and and Edward Wood is now acting as a de facto director of football overriding what the manager wants which you know, he's not in a position to do that, right? <laughs> no, no, that's just... right. And we did, actually, I think we let uh, Woodward off softly uh, in our yeah. discussion about this because what the... F- I mean, seriously, <laughs> this is a former banker. What the f- does he know, you know? And, and what the f- does that say about Manchester United that Ed Woodward, the banker, Ed Woodward, with the capital yeah. W, is, uh, is making those kind of decisions versus two-time Champions League winner, eight-title winner... League title winner across what four leagues, Jose Mourinho. Anyway, that yeah, aside, and and like I said last week, um, Mourinho definitely makes it hard for a board to back him because he, he the type of player he wants are so short termist and also not marketable. So there's no upside in the way that there is with the Alexis Sanchez or whatever from from the board perspective, but. Um, how is Woodward the one that's deciding this? Even if we would agree with him, like, okay, well, actually, should really, if we were randomly the directors of football of Man United, we might agree with the conclusion that Edward Wood drew about some of Mourinho's signings. But he gave Mourinho the job and he hasn't sacked him. He's talked a big game in the press about how United are preparing for life after Mourinho, but he's, 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 uh, given Mourinho the keys and refused to put any more petrol in it, saying, no, you've had enough petrol, sorry. You know, it, this is, it's no kind of way to run a football club. And of course, it's going to end in disaster. Just as you can't talk about bringing in a director of football above Jose Mourinho's head. That's going to be ridiculous. I mean, clearly, the board really are preparing for life after Mourinho. Oh. So we don't have to talk about Jose out because he's out. I, I think he's dead man walking. There's yeah. no way. I mean, hey, I can. I, there may be an Alan Hansen moment in this. There's no way he's <laughs> manager under a director of football. Nafri's been the manager. I mean, he's of course worked under that system um, at Inter, where he fell out with the director of football, and at Real Madrid, where he got the director of football, Jorge Valdano, sacked, um, <laughs> yeah. and then fell out with his replacement. Um, you know, it's just no way. He's gone. He's done. And uh, I'm not sure when United will find one, but uh, um, I think that's uh, about the point when they start looking for a new manager. Lots of stories this week about Zidane um, apparently wanting the job. Uh, who knows where that's coming from and whether it's coming well, from... you know, <laughs> maybe, like, I mean, it's a, it's a weird one. Tom said in our WhatsApp uh, group, that, uh, you know, for all Zidane's won, there's still an uncertainty about him. And there is as such, because, you know, of he course. took over what was a pretty good Real Madrid team and didn't manage to win the league with them, no. um, but uh, did win three Champions Leagues in a row. Yeah, which is quite some achievement. Obviously, like, I'd be buzzing if, like, 
the only thing that's missing for me in terms of Zidane being like an uh, my favourite footballer of all time is the connection with Man United. So if he comes and manages us and wins stuff, like this is a dream come true. But, but to be honest, uh, I mean, I think he could have played centre back today and not done as badly. <laughs> Sure, I just like the idea of uh, some journalist getting a phone call going, Hello, this is Zinedine Zidane. I am very happy about the idea of managing Manchester United. And the journalist going, Why is there an 0161 phone number on this? Are you already <laughs> imagine? Uh, crack caller, crack caller. <laughs> yeah, all right. Have you got anything else to say about Brighton? Yeah, just Paul Pogba, who I will defend to the hill, and I will do that this season. It's coming. He was so terrible today. And when they clipped to the half-times, I hadn't watched any of the build-up, and it clipped to half-time, and Graham Souness was in the studio. Both my hands went over my head. I was like, no! I didn't want Graham Souness to see this and believe that he's right in any way, shape, or form about anything, because he isn't. But my goodness, Pogba was just... (sighs) Yeah, I I thought he was honest after the game, though, Pogba. What did he say? He said the attitude is not what we want it to be. Um, It showed on the pitch... Um, attitude, my myself first, he said. The attitude yeah. was not good enough. We we're going to keep trying. I mean, they're going to have to, and there's going to be much better times than this this season. Like, I mean, they just were. We won, we won the first game, and it was a fairly feel good win in a way. Luke Shaw scoring and all that, and Pogba playing, captaining, and scoring a penalty in the first few minutes. There was a lot of good good feeling there, and it will get better than it was. But this was that first half is as bad a half of football as as we have seen from United, that was as bad as Mitchell and away. That was as bad as Norwich at home, you know, which are the two previous benchmarks. I remember sitting in the press conference after Norwich at home and Van Gaal saying, that was the one where he said, uh, my philosophy is what has made me a good coach. Or should I say what meant I used to be a good coach? (laughs) And he wasn't like, he meant it. (laughs) Like he was really questioning everything about himself after that game. Mourinho, not so much after this one, but, um, yeah, I, I no, think no. horrendous goals to give away, created hardly anything going forward. Three three shots on target, one in, including the penalty, uh, just nine shots in total. City created 32 against Huddersfield. Um, just five passes uh, in the final 20 yards. I mean, and, hardly and, even got into attacking positions, let alone creating you, chances. And you can say to you, blue in the face... That oh, it's not the manager's fault that Eric Bailly gives away a penalty in that circumstances, and I'll agree with you to the hilt. But it's the manager's fault that the defence is an incoherent pub team, and it's the manager's fault that there is no coherency to our attacking football whatsoever. And that is not unique to this game. This is not the first performance where our attackers looked devoid of ideas and like there's no uh, there's no plan. There's just quality players. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. that's I, I that's mean, all pretty miserable. We, we is, promised after the uh, after um, the season preview that we'd listen to our pods, yeah, uh, just to make sure we don't repeat ourselves all season. Yeah, we did. It's going to be did, a long both. old season, I tell you. Uh, I mean, you got the prediction and, uh, right for the Leicester I, I game. I should be uh, thoroughly enjoying listening to this one on my way to work. Ed, you got the prediction right for the Leicester game. I was I so annoyed because we were two 0 up, and I was I was going to win, and then gave away a goal, and that made you win. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, well, you know, you, you can't buy class like that. And <laughs> um, the the thing about the Mourinho out conversation is, I'm not, I don't actually think Mourinho should be sacked today. Don't think it matters. I think the club's in such a state that it. Be- I think um, we. Structure in is what I'm advocating for, like some some semblance of a plan. And the fact that Woodward is briefing about Mourinho behind his back and not backing him and not sacking him is as bad as anything that Mourinho is doing, 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's a, that's a shambles, isn't it? When the mm-hmm. manager and the and the captain now hate each other because I don't <laughs> believe Mourinho's... Uh, about um, uh, it, them never having a problem and it's all okay. Just don't believe it. Um, and the manager and the chairman, or executive vice chairman, uh, to give him his correct name, hate each other as well, you know? Brilliant. Brilliant. At least the podcasters like each other, eh, Ed? Well, for now. 
<laughs> Let's talk about VAR again, shall we? <laughs> I miss VAR, to be honest. During the season, a few times, I've been like, oh, shame we can't just have a little, do a little hand gesture, get a little, get a little VAR on the game. So, um, one other thing that we promised to do on this show that um, we failed to do in the season preview and we failed to do in the last World Cup final show, even though you'd asked um, both times, and that is uh, do some listener questions. So, we must have a massive backlog. Shall we devote a bit of time to it? Yeah, let's do it. Um, uh, And I I will try to get through a good proportion of them. Uh, Although, yeah, we had hundreds. (laughs) <laughs> We've got quite a few today, I have to say. Um, oh, you cheeky git. All right, I'm going to ask this one. Why not? Uh, Chris, uh, C, Etchingham, 77, oh, friend of the show. Uh, honorary Scouser. Fan. Yeah, your, t- your boys, girls, took one hell of a beating today, Chris. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, remember how funny it was watching Mourinho self-destruct at Chelsea in 15-16? <laughs> Yeah, it was funny, to be fair. Oh, wow. Death Star for Cutie, as at that James boy, asks, when Brexit happens and goes badly, how will Mourinho diehards make it about Pogba and Martial? <laughs> I really enjoy that because there is such a huge sort of philosophical overlap between Mourinho diehards and the people that say it's all, it's all going to be fine, you're all Ramonas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Thomas Willoughby at TPD Willow asks, will you sign my petition to have the Premier League season ended this week? Yeah, so that, I mean, there's, there's after... something underlying to this, isn't it? That it feels it feels like it's going to be a hard season. It shouldn't do because actually United came second, 81 points, um, comfortably second last season, have added three players. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm being generous here. Fred, a £50 million pound midfielder. A £20 million right-back who is apparently one of the best right-backs, young right-backs in Europe. And Lee Grant, a solid number three keeper. I mean, you know, should be moving forward. But it feels negative, doesn't it? Uh, United released their app on transfer deadline day, which is elite, elite levels of terrible trolling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. All right. Daniel Pierre. Uh, at EDPC66 asks, how bad do you think it'll get before he goes? Uh, Well, Martial can't go until uh, January, so uh, it could get a lot worse than his performance against Brighton. You were asking about that, right? Is the European window uh, shut? Uh, No, no, no. So, so yeah, I guess it's time for Pogba and De Gea to leave before the window shuts. (laughs) Um, I think the Spanish, no, the, the Italian window is shut, but the Spanish window is open until the end of the month. I think the real answer to the question is uh, that we fairly spectacularly miss out on Champions League football this season. I think that is that is technically as bad as it is going to get before he goes because he'll definitely be sacked if that happens and that is more than possible given the potential for implosion that both we have as a team and Mourinho has. Hmm. Daniel Fieldhouse at Dan Fieldhouse says, hypothetically speaking, whose or what manager's system would this team actually work in? Two questions there. Uh, I think one is who's, who Who could turn this hot mess into something good? It's a bit unfair, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the other one is what kind of system would work for these players? Well, I think we've definitely got the players to play a 4-3-3, but we've also got the players to play a pretty attacking 4-2-3-1 as well. You know, I think we've actually got the players to play a, a ton of different systems. And I think, I don't even think you need like a tactical genius or anything. You just need someone who's going to make these players feel good about playing football for Man United. Right, and right. And that's... actually, I think it's an awful lot about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so <laughs> good question from uh, at Match of the Dan. And I think um, one uh, one point about, uh, match of the Dan, 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 Dan's question coming up is that how many of these questioners can't even bear to speak Mourinho's name? <laughs> Quite a few. He's become the Just Scottish says, hey. uh, yeah. As bad as today was, how much was it his fault? <laughs> so, like, that's what you were saying earlier about Martial, because it could be anyone that we're talking about here. Um, how much was it his fault? I think David Cameron's got a lot to answer for, to be fair. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, he's never said so sorry, I, I think, has he? 
I, I think the Nor answer Mourinho. is a lot. I think the answer is a lot, to be honest. Because I, I think that um, it's not like the players should darn well be ashamed of themselves for being as unprofessional as they were. Because they should. And I bet a lot of them are. But the the imperfect storm of atmosphere created by the manager is like ideal. Like if you want to grow something, you create the right environment for it. And the right environment has most certainly been created for what happened today. Yeah. Um, at Bud, at Bud underscore Burns says, Poch or Zidane? Oh, oh. Well, that's a head or heart question that's an right interesting, there. Oh, are you getting hard there, Paul, thinking about it? No, no, it's more like, oh, that's tricky. Because um, I guess in a way, head should say potch, right? Because, all right, so no trophies, but everything but, and you would imagine the level of quality that he would be stepping into would mean trophies would come. And but Zidane is Zidane, and uh, I'm not. I'm. It's a good job they don't let me make this decision because otherwise it would be Eric Cantona as director of football and Zinedine Zidane as manager, <laughs> and that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, but last time we had a big profile, you know, World Cup winning French captain turn up. He turned out to be a massive, massive racist. <laughs> Listen. That's not going to be Zidane, though, is it? I don't know. For fairly obvious reason. Listen, he's called Laurent Blanc. <laughs> the clue's in the name. Simon Zambelli asked the question in the way that only Simon Zambelli can. It's uh, at Zamo2049. Uh, Nothing's changed under Moo. Lackluster performances, no urgency or ideas, players to blame for not putting a shift in. It all stems from him. He couldn't coach a rotting corpse to keep still. Hashtag... I'm missing the question there, Simon, but you definitely have a way with words. <laughs> That's one that, like, to be fair, wouldn't have got picked under my regime, but under the under the new era, it's absolute, like, complete gold dust. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a few in that sort of... <laughs> uh, at Laconius, uh, ask, uh, why? Um, Dan O asked, seriously, what the... Don Bugti asks, is Eric Bailly a waster man? I don't even understand this. Do you understand it's, this, Paul? You're up with, like, it, pop can culture. Can you just check that there's no R in there, right? That says waste man, not waste yes, man. Yes, waste man. Yeah, there you go. It's a waste man thing, Ed. It's waste man thing. But was the question, is Eric Bailly a waste man? Yeah. No, Eric Bailly might still be a side man, but he's definitely not a waste man. Like... It's, he might have to grow into his role as a, a leader, but no, nah, he's not a waste man. He just had a waste man day. We've all had him. Um, the, the thing is, uh, the why question is genuinely fascinating because it is really interesting to see how bad elite level athletes can be and to, to really understand why. Because it's, it's easy to go, okay, well, this is Mourinho and the negativity and da 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 And it is, I think, in part... But also there is something toxic in the kind of the, I mean, you would think that a strong United dressing room isn't going to allow a performance like this to happen, no matter who the manager is. Yeah, you, you, yeah, no, I think that's right. I think it, it um, points to something pretty fundamentally wrong. Uh, yeah, just like two years in uh, with the quality of players United have got, uh, I know if you read Twitter for any length of time, you wouldn't believe that. Um, uh, it, it shouldn't. They shouldn't have been putting in a performance that bad, uh, yeah. even after a bit of a disaster of a summer. So um, I think there's something bubbling underneath, which uh, is pretty, pretty worrying. Uh, in fact, uh, at Munro L says, um, just told my Arsenal supporting friend that having watched today's game, something feels very wrong at United. Mm. I'm not sure you need to tell an Arsenal supporting friend they know when something's deeply wrong. Uh, <laughs> they have done for at least yeah. sort of, hmm, 10 years or so. But, you know, I've, I've felt for a long time that we are essentially morphing into Arsenal. That is, that is essentially what's happening to United at the moment. We are we're increasingly just becoming Arsenal, a board that don't really care about success and well, as long as the money's ticking in, they're happy. Players who... Um, can turn up on their day and be brilliant, but then can look absolutely atrocious. And Alexis Sanchez absolutely stinking out the joint. God, I mean, but it's true. 
Uh, he he, like, he was sharp in in preseason. It, yeah, it was that. against a, a bunch of teams where United had a week's extra training. To be fair, and some MLS teams, um, and he had a summer off. MLS teams, Rooney. Oh, so beautiful. Ah, oh, listen, you... sure, like, I, I don't have any more good questions. I, I don't. Oh, think. what out of the literally hundreds we've got? You're saying that's it? Yeah, those not. are the only good ones. <laughs> You're going to have to dig. You can dig back in the archives while we talk about Wayne Rooney absolutely rolling back the years, playing at a level where he can still fully, fully do the business. And if you're a United fan and did not have a tear in your eye as he haired it back using every ounce of energy left in his exhausted body, did a slide tackle, won the ball, and then pinged an absolute belter of a pass to the back post for DC United to score a winner in a in a game that they then went 1-3-2 because it was the last kick of the game and watching really completely unable to celebrate and all his 2011 teammates bantering him off about it on uh, Instagram was, was an absolute joy. Yeah, absolute <laughs> fraud he is though for not having done that for four years. Oh, he, ha- he, Hashtag agenda. <laughs> he tried his best. Hashtag Rooney out. Um, all right. Uh, at Delagol says, I was born and grew up in Stretford. I sat on my mum's shoulders and watched the 77 FA Cup winners on Chester Road. My first game was in 85. My question, what is the point, uh, and this is like <laughs> underlined, of Manchester United in 2018? Is there anything underlined, redeemable about being a United fan? It's such a great question. And it's one that I've been thinking about a lot because I think I said this on the preview show but if it wasn't for this podcast, there's absolutely no way I would have watched the game today. No way. I would have done something else L- instead. Lost all your top red points if you, if you didn't do that. But I don't, that's it. I don't care about top red points. There's no point in them, that's for sure. And, and it is really difficult to understand what the... Because what do you support? So when you go to a game, you share in the collective and there's, there's point in that in and of itself. You see people you love... And that might be the only place you see them. It's an outlet for some sort of emotional whatever. But there's no community to the club anymore. That's a total artifice. The players don't care. The manager doesn't care. The board don't care. We're the only ones who care. And and we. it's hard for us to care because none of them do. So it, the, the fundamental existential question about what the point of supporting a, an elite Premier League club is, is an extremely valid one, I think. Yeah, and look, I'm honestly, uh, you know, that that question we've talked about in various guises for ten years, you know, yeah. and uh, before we even started recording this podcast, that that was a feeling that many people felt when the Glazers took over because they yeah. foresaw this coming. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because the the, the Glazer catastrophe was always that um, the club would. Uh, sh- uh, be crumbled under the weight of the debt, crushed under the weight of the debt, and we wouldn't be able to be successful because, uh, or we would actually even completely stop existing. We'd be completely asset-stripped. And if you look at the numbers, those were entirely reasonable fears, and it is only circumstance that meant that that hasn't happened. But the soul of the club really is dead. Like, it is what it is a soulless organisation. I don't believe in anything this club does, almost anything. There's little bits and people keep it alive. And, you know, the United Foundation might be a, a PR exercise, but that's genuinely people empowered to make a, a huge difference in real people's lives. So even if it's for PR, still it does something really good and, and really good people work for it. But... Mm. I, you know, it's it's really, really hard to care. Yeah, um, I uh, find myself compartmentalising. Uh, that's how I care. So, you know, what happens between the time they kick off and the time the final whistle blows is completely different to everything the club is and stands for outside of it because outside of that, they, uh, they're a vehicle for the Glazers to make cash and to sell, you know, Vietnamese noodles. So what Basically. do you do? What what do you do when that's awful? And I don't mean that when United lose, because you know who cares if United win or lose. I mean, what do you do when there's no joy to that, and the players don't care? Yeah, no. That, I mean, it's super hard, and uh, 
you know, as um, someone who doesn't go to as many games as I used to do, uh, which was a lot, you know, and, and when you go to a lot of games, what happens then is the result doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, of course no. it does matter, you know, but yeah. um, the fun you have with the people you're uh, traveling to an away game with, you know, or drinking with before and after the game is more important, isn't it? You know, it's the community. Yeah. Uh, that's why most people, I think, really find football exciting when they first get into it. Um, uh, when that when that happens, and I do wonder how much fun people are having, you know, down in their five pound pints of Champions Lager. We don't sell that anymore, but you know, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And you know, th- what what's left? Um, it's yeah, I like I totally I totally understand the point of uh, at Delagol's question here. He uh, yeah. he follows it up with uh, uh, a long one, but basically it's uh, how far would United have to fall before before the Glazers left? Well, they that's they won't right. It's it's you know this is not going to happen. There's United make enough cash that. They're going to invest enough or sack enough managers and then reinvest again to ensure that the club finishes in the top four each year because that's all the business model needs, you know. Pretty competitive in the Champions League, uh, pretty competitive uh, in the Premier League uh, and sell loads and loads of shirt and sponsorships and noodles and tyres and, you know, regional telephone companies and whatever else it is. Mm. Brilliant question and brilliant Twitter handle, Della Goal. When was the last time we went out with a clear game plan other than keeping shape and hoping for the best? Um, uh, About six years ago. (laughs) I mean, this is the really depressing thing about Mourinho is I'm sure I remember Jose Mourinho being really good at specific game plans for specific games. And And he still has pulled that off, to be fair. Yeah, Chelsea... Chelsea at home in the first, the end, back end of the first season when Rashford scored really early in that game, and under Herrera, man marked Hazard. That was elite from Jose. I can't think of a second example. Oh, Ajax. Yeah, that was extremely effectively achieved. Yeah, uh, talking about specific game plans. Uh, I was thinking this actually and didn't mention it earlier when Fellaini came on. Um, exactly how United played after that was a bit weird. So at Sora Lapio says, uh, so he brings Fellaini on to re- replace Martial. You'd expect United to start putting in crosses at this point, but instead uh, they're still passing it to feet and into space, or at least attempting to. What was Jose thinking? Yeah, um, I was just imagining hoofball was coming, especially when Fellaini trotted out and then stood beside Romelu. <laughs> I'm still like, just going to launch this, and they never did. I mean, Pogba did a few times, but he launched it over them more or less every time. Um, it was, yeah. It was a bit weird. It was indeed. Uh, Andrew Hardman uh, at uh, Hardman says, uh, is it acceptable to remove series link on Match of the Day while Jose's manager? Sure. You do what you like. Don't you, Dance your own dance. Don't let anyone tell you that you have to watch football if you don't want to. I, I still watch Match of the Day. Yeah, uh, you're allowed to because you like it. Yeah. But if you didn't like it, you wouldn't have to. I'm a football addict. I've I've watched quite a lot of football um, <laughs> while, while pretending you, to be really? a good dad this weekend. <laughs> um, all right, well, that's it for questions. I'm glad we actually managed to get some in this week. It's a good 20 yeah. minutes of ranting there. Uh <laughs> So we've got a game coming up, haven't we? This is going to be an interesting one. Tottenham on a Monday night. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like, no sense of how that game's going to be whatsoever because I don't think we can draw the conclusion from that Brighton game that that's what's going to be or that what that's what all the games are going to be like. And as we've said, and as many Mourinho defenders have said, uh, the one thing that he's got going for him is his record against the. Uh, the big sides last season, he did. We, you know, it did really well against the big sides. I don't. He, we lost to Tottenham away in the first season, but I think we did. We draw and win last season. Yeah. I don't know. We certainly beat them at home. Yeah, beat them at home, draw away. I think it was. Uh, yeah. They beat Newcastle on the first day of the season. Um, and beat Fulham. And, and beat Fulham on Saturday. Yeah. Um, 
after after uh, Fulham had uh, equalised uh, Lucas Moura's opening goal. Fulham, who spent £100 million <laughs> in, in the transfer window. Yeah, got some good players, but uh, I'm going to guess it's going to take a little bit of time for them to bed in. They've lost twice. Spurs have won twice um, and got off to an uncharacteristic good start to the season. Harry Kane even scoring in August. Which Amazing. He's done it for the first time in his professional career. Um, I wonder how glad that um, Pochettino is that Moura scored because I guess he's going to be really important to them this yeah. season. Uh, Once a very good player, had a tough time yeah. at PSG. We'll see whether he um, he is able to produce more this season. Uh, Kieran Trippier um, uh, reminding me and producer Tom of the uh, dancing around we did uh, when watching him score for England, the shame that that now brings to me thinking about how many I was dancing around with England scoring. <laughs> See what that's what football can do. Um, the uh, Lucas Moore, of course, is the the thirty million pound for a teenager. The game's gone to the dogs, even though he'd literally spent thirty million pounds on a teenager some ten years earlier. Because Fergie, for all his wonderful qualities, was also uh, one to paint the truth as it served him best. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, old school former lying though, Fergie. You know, generally exaggerating. Um, not not barefaced Mourinho style lying that he did this week when everybody knows the opposite was true. <laughs> Uh, are you telling me that Alex? Are you telling me that Alex Ferguson never barefaced lied when everyone knew the opposite was true? Well, he because... in a little bit. Right? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> rose tinted spectacles. Um, I don't even know if we talked about this, but of course, everyone that listens to this sort has seen the video that United put out over the summer of Fergie, um, the kind of first public thing that he'd done where he thanked all the staff at the hospital that had treated yeah. him and he thanked all the people for messages support so nice to see him and really really glad he's he's seems to be making a pretty good recovery from what happened he said he'd be back at Old Trafford later this season and I wouldn't worry about hurrying back boss because we know you listen uh, Timothy Fossumensa plays for Fulham as well so 100 million and an absolute diamond in their team. Uh, Spurs, uh, will they pay a back three? They they have been doing this season. Alderweireld's back in the side, which is interesting given Pochettino's habitual tendency to kind of really freeze out players who, uh, anyone who wants to leave, you know where the door is sort of a thing. Um, but they, he started Alderweireld, Sanchez and Vertonghen alongside each other against Fulham. Yeah, and he's going to give them a, a more solid base. You know, he had a, he had a decent World Cup at Vireld. Um, didn't show any signs of the, the sort of uh, hamstring problems that he's had. Um, and and the, the transfer window's done. It's gone. So um, he's at the club for at least a, another year, I'd imagine. Um, he's uh, I think he's got a, a clause in his contract that says he's uh, twenty five million next summer. It would be somewhat ironic if United picked him up at that point. Um, but uh, yeah, you know he's a he's a very good player, and he's going to make Tottenham better for being in the team. Uh, will they play back three? Well, yeah, you're right. They they have been. Um, so I would imagine so. Um, I mean, they didn't they didn't against um, Newcastle. Yeah, they, they did they, against but, Fulham, but, and they they've definitely got the players for it. You yeah. Know. Um, I mean, what, what it what it tends to do is. Um, uh, push Ericsson into uh, perhaps not the role he has been playing because he, he plays off the left an awful lot and he, he perhaps played a bit a little bit more centrally um, against Fulham. But um, it's you know it's a system that worked for them. It's a very attacking lineup. They had Ericsson, Moura, Ali, and Kane all in all in the side. Um, even though in theory Ericsson was playing alongside Dyer, and you'd imagine that's not going to be the case. You'd man, you'd imagine he'd want. Maybe Dembele in there, or even I mean, first game of the season it was Sissoko, but whether that's about World Cup fitness and all that sort of stuff, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I mean, Pochettino has really struggled against Mourinho. Uh, not the not the the game when um, Twanzebe tried to man mark Eriksson, but we'd given up on the league by that point, so that literally doesn't count. But generally speaking, at Old Trafford um, Spurs have not been able to profit from United's banter era. Um, in the way that other other big teams have been able to do. So, are they due one? <laughs> or, oh, or is, well, is yeah, you the might, they might be. I mean, they've they've got off to a good start to the season, haven't they? They have. Um, this game is going to be on the bank holiday. Uh, 
at eight o'clock at night on a Monday night in Manchester. Um, not a fun one for the Spurs fans to get back from. Um, but that <laughs> also means that, that the, the podcast is going to be at a weird time next week um, because, uh, but it's, it won't be our fault for once. Um, it's because we have to record probably on the Tuesday and then it'll be about when, when Tom can get it out by uh, ahead of uh, the trip to Burnley the following Sunday. So, uh, you know, it's still playing. The one, one small mercy about all this is that we're only playing one game a week still at the moment, which is something of a relief. Um, and, then, and then after Spurs, do we head into the the international window? When does that happen? That happens. Yeah, that's, that is between Spurs and Burnley. Yeah. So we'll know by Burnley whether Paul Pogba is still a Man United player. <laughs> God, can you imagine? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, totally. It, quite easy. it doesn't even take much thinking about to imagine. Uh, I don't know, would Mourinho melt down more if Pogba was sold? <laughs> or if he wasn't sold? Interesting well, question. Well, Woodward, Woodward is apparently, of course, really, really angry at Mourinho for isolating Pogba and Martial, who he sees as, you know, uh, the big Woodward su- success stories, um, which is which is kind of understandable, to be honest. Um, it, it is like... You know, he's handed the jewels, the family jewels to Mourinho and Mourinho has not polished them. He has, in fact, decided that the shiniest ones are the ones he likes least. And he really likes the Scott McTominay, very average jewel um, instead. Yeah, um, I mean, why aren't we talking about Scott McTominay, the uh, manager's player of the year? Frozen out. See, it's unbelievable. Mourinho is fickle. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> All right. Um... If, you, um, if you think... But if you believe passionately that Jose Mourinho is absolutely the right man for the job and this is completely ridiculous, all the criticism he's getting, um, could you please explain to me why? Uh, drop it an email to paul at unitedrant.co.uk. I'll be really interested to hear cogent arguments in defence of Jose Mourinho uh, for the reasons of being interested in the many ways I feel like I, I, I might be wrong about this. All right. You sound like you're falling on your keyboard there, Paul. Sorry. Sorry about that. Making crackly noises over here by playing with stuff that's on this desk. Um, All right. That'll do for the show, right? That'll do. uh, Predictions. uh, How are United going to get on against Spurs? How do you predict this? How how are we supposed to predict what's going to happen in this game? I can't predict the 11. I can't predict the style of play. I can't predict the result. I mean, you could easily imagine a kind of fight back and a kind of, oh, my God, we disgraced ourselves away from home. Let's make Old Trafford a fortress this season. We haven't lost there yet. Let's really show another top team what we can do. That's not impossible. I'm not asking you to, like, you know, give me all the narratives. I'm asking you to give me a scoreline. That's how um, this works. But the thing is, that this is a really ridiculous game because I don't know. This is every week. Oh, what do you think the score's going to be? I don't know. I'm just going to say two numbers. <laughs> yeah. uh, two... Well, uh, let, let me help you out. I, I think right. uh, it's going to be 1-1. One, one. <laughs> all right, but can I hear some kind of narrative and explanation? No, no, I just made that? it up. All right. Yeah. Two. I mean, look, United have got to respond somehow, and that is totally empty. And I hate that kind of talk. Um, but something's got to happen after that Brighton result. Otherwise, um, should United lose at Old Trafford, it's a crisis. It's a bona fide yeah. crisis after that summer. Uh, you know, a bit of a fortunate win against Leicester, and then two defeats. It's it's full on. Uh, all right. I'll go for a 2 1 team to the ones I like best. 2 1 win to the ones I like best, the red ones. <laughs> All right. We've been reduced All right. To. Burnley away after that, tricky. Yeah, uh, a 1 0 win to the claret and blue ones. <laughs> oh, oof. oof. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a podcast out before uh, yeah, yeah, se- yeah, for sure. September. That's, that's I think. the plan. All right, uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, sorry about all the misery, but I don't know what else to do <laughs> because it was really bad in all sorts of really upsetting ways. Uh, all positivity next week, right? See you <laughs> For sure. Bye. The Rankcast is 
brought to you by the good people who choose to back us at patreon.com slash rankcast. We are and will remain a crowdfunded show because we don't want to try and sell you stuff. Um, because if we're talking about the soul of the club, it would be really weird if we were talking about how the soul of the club's been sold out and then tried to get you to sign up for some gambling website. Um, don't do that unless you really want to, but still. Um, Patreon.com slash rankcast. If you pay us uh, $5 plus VAT every month, you get what we say is 10 minutes, but it's effectively between 20 minutes and half an hour most weeks of bonus content. This week, we talked about the problem with European football. But doesn't this all mean that a European Super League which we've been, I mean, my whole, like, I remember shoot magazine articles about this. That's how long this has been a discussion. But at some point, if the same team wins, let's just say the Bundesliga and Serie A, where it's, where that's the worst example of it. And then France is a slightly different story because you only have one rich super club in that way. But even if in Syria and the Bundesliga, every season the same team wins the league, they're both going to do, they're probably both going to do 10 in a row. Something's got, yeah, something's, yeah. The, the, I, I, I can see where you're going with this. And every time that's come up, they've managed to find a way of restructuring the finances or the competition structure in Europe in the Champions League to stop that happening. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't, I mean, a few of the big clubs may may be thinking about it and may uh, talk about that, but they, they, they've got to all know that it's the death of domestic football if they do that, you know, basically creating an NFL of Europe. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's not good for football anywhere if that happens. Um, but, of course, you know, with many of these clubs, not Bayern or Real or Barcelona, but many, the motivation is money. With With Real and Barcelona... Motivation is money insofar as it's their 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 their, 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 their,